Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Olives and Olives. I am Patience Agidife. I'll be reading a story to your hearing, and the title of the story is Ejiro Gene. Quite a mouthful, but just listen and enjoy the story. Here it goes. It was a dry, sultry day in June. The heat was unbearable and the sun relentless. I was sitting outside the building where my family lived. I watched as people walked past going about their businesses. Some yards away, two women sat beside a gutter selling roasted fish. One of them complained about the heat and wished it could rain. The other replied that she preferred the heat to the rain as the roads would become impassable once it rained. Just then, the man stopped in front of them and asked the first woman how much she was selling her fish. She replied in and they started bargaining. The man was dissatisfied with the price and left. Both women were silent for a moment. Then the second woman spoke up and lamented on the fact that they hadn't sold anything since morning. She wondered what her kids would eat when they returned from school. She had some gari at home, but no ingredients to cook the soup needed to go along with the gari. The other woman looked straight on. It was as if she wasn't listening to what was being said. She was deep in thought and lost somewhere no one else knew but herself. Then she blinked, slowly turned her head and looked at her friend and spoke up softly. When there is life, there is hope. One day, this will all be over and we will look back and laugh at it all. We won't give up now. We have to keep going. Her friend looked at her and said, Yes, my sister, we will keep going. Look at me complaining about food. How are you going to buy the drugs for your daughter to die? As she was about to answer, something made her look up and then she saw me and realized I had been listening to the conversation with great interest. She eyed me suspiciously and whispered something to her friend. Her friend looked my way and I quickly looked away in embarrassment. I got up and moved to the other side of the house. Call me a nosy person or an eavesdropper. Maybe I am. But the point is, I could not help but listen and feel their pain. At the same time, I could relate to their situation. My family had been facing serious difficulties and I was sitting here musing over it. Let me introduce myself. I am Ejirogene. I am the third child of five children and I am jobless. I am a graduate of the University of Benin and I studied business administration. Back then in school, I had high hopes. I wasn't, I wasn't the best student, but I was good. Good enough to help my classmates with assignments, of course, for a fee. You see, surviving in the university wasn't easy. I come from a home where eating three meals a day was an extreme luxury. So how did I get here? My mother, my jewel, a determined and strong woman. She had never gone to school. But she promised herself her children would be graduates. 
Whenever I asked her if she ever schooled, she would say she only did primary one. When I asked her why, she would smile and say she preferred schooling on the streets. Then one day, she told us her story. Maybe I'll tell you some other time. Mom struggled hard to see us go to school. She did odd jobs. One time, she went into fishing with some Ijo women who lived in a neighborhood. Once, she got stung by a string fish in a muddy swamp where they had gone fishing. She almost died, but thank God she survived. God must have seen the determination in her and decided to give her a second chance. At present, she's selling meat at the market. She toiled from dawn to dusk, Monday to Saturday. Sunday was for God, herself and us. But her dreams were broken when my older sister, Ufoma, got pregnant at 16 and still in secondary school. She had to stop schooling. My mother was heartbroken. She cried and wailed. He couldn't go out for days. The strong woman was down. She even stopped eating and we were afraid we would lose her. But one day, she got up, took a bath very early before anyone else could wake up and woke Ufuma up. Today, you will take me to wherever is responsible for this. And that is how mom made sure Ufuma showed her the boy's house. He was 17 and still living with his parents. His dad was down with stroke. Their mother was a struggling woman like my mom and she wasn't ready to be a grandmom nor was the boy ready to be a father. They lived in a room in a face me I face you building like ours. The boy was the oldest of seven children. Where would Ufuma stay was a million dollar question Tari for that was the boy's name. Tari's mom kept asking our own mom. Both women agreed that Ufuma stay home while Tari's family would lend a supporting hand to care for her and the unborn baby. But where was dad in all this? Have you ever heard that song by The Temptations? The lyrics tells the story of a boy who asks his mother about his dead father and the mother replied by sighing, Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his heart was his home. And when he died, all he left was alone. Well, that was somewhat who my dad was. A rolling stone in his own right. With what had happened to Fuma, I was determined to do everything to make mom proud. I made a promise in my heart that day that I would complete my education and help my mother and my other siblings. I was 12 then. I told my brother Mudiaga my resolve and he held my hand and said he was determined to do the same thing. He would never become like our father and he was vowing there and then to be rich beyond compare and build a house for mother. If only we knew what the future had in store for us. The blast of music from the barbershop across the road jolted me back to earth. 
I turned to look at where the fish sellers were and noticed they had gone. They had probably gotten tired from sitting all day in having nothing to show for it. My stomach rumbled, reminding me of the fact that like the second woman, who also had no food at home, and like the first woman, whose daughter was ill, my younger sister, Ovoki, was very sick. She was always in pain. She couldn't sleep, and sometimes she overslept and complained of not having enough sleep. Taking her to the hospital was not an option, as we couldn't afford to pay whatever we would be asked to pay. Oh, if only I'd gotten a job after school, I would have been able to help. Now, all I felt was useless. Right now, she was sleeping. Caring for her wasn't an easy job. It was taking its toll on all of us, especially dear mom. A commotion on the major road drew my attention there. There were shouts from a small crowd gathering. I got up, curious, and walked carefully towards the crowd to find out what was going on. Shouts of, beat him, beat him, rang out loud. I looked down and saw a man lying on the ground. He raised his hand up to block a blow to his head. Someone had picked up a big stick to hit his head. It landed on his hand, leaving behind a deep cut and blood spewing out. The man looked elderly, but unkempt. He was putting on black trousers that in better days. His shirt was a light pink. Now it was turning red from the blood that gushed out of his hand. I wondered why he was receiving such a beating. And as I was looking around for someone to ask, a girl beside me asked an old woman who stood close by. I was able to gather from my response that a man had stolen 50 naira from the woman who sold cheap alcoholic beverages at the junction. What? I screamed in my head. 50 naira? For 50 naira this man was about to be killed? Where is the justice in that? Was stealing right? No. Yet, it wasn't enough to kill him. I felt for the men and his family, wherever they were. I also felt helpless that I couldn't help him. He raised his head briefly to plead for his life. He kept saying, I am innocent. No one paid heed to his pleas. The mob was out for blood. I wondered what if the man was truly innocent, meaning he would die for nothing. How unjust. Looking at his face, something seemed familiar about him. Someone called out for petrol. He was about to be burnt to death. What a horrible way to die. He struggled to get on his feet. A shove from a burly man sent him back on the ground. I prayed for a miracle to happen. No one deserved to die this way, and not for 15 naira. Someone had produced a can of kerosene. The burly man started to empty it on him. God, where are you? I prayed. Please help. Why I felt deeply for the man, 
I do not know. I just knew he didn't deserve this kind of treatment being meted out on him. Where are the matches? Someone shouted. At this point, I knew all hope was lost. And then, in the blink of an eye, everything changed. It happened like in the movies and almost like in slow motion. A shrill cry from someone stopped everyone in the tracks. I turned towards the sound. It was my mother! She looked like she had just seen a ghost as she stared at the man on the ground. She had this look of a mad woman whose child had just been snatched from her. The burly man had finally gotten hold of the box of matchsticks and had regained himself from the initial shock of the mom's true cry. He made to strike the match. Just then, mom charged towards him, pushed at him with all her strength, and he fell down. With her was a cutlass she used for cutting the meat she sold in the market. She stood guarding the man and screamed, If anybody wants to die, let him come and touch this man. I stood with my mouth open, staring at my mother. What had gotten into her? And who was this man? Well, that's the end of our story for today. I hope you enjoyed listening in. I'm also sure you would like to find out who the man was. I'd also like to know if Ejiro ever got a job. What kind of ailments plagued her younger sister? And did life turn out well for her? Well, if you wanted the answers to all these questions, kindly tune in next time and listen to the rest of the story. I remain your host, Patience Agilifi. And please, kindly tell your friends about this channel. Thank you.